Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed. Our guest today is Minter Dial. He's a professional speaker, storyteller, consultant, and a veteran executive with a 16-year high-profile career at L'Oreal. He's an MC, an author, podcaster, and elevator. Welcome, Minter. Hey, Sam and Chris. Thanks for having me on the show. So, Minter, we wanted to get you on the series. You've been a sort of trailblazer in this area long before Sam and I decided to start podcasting. How long have you been podcasting for now? Oh, I've just finished my 10th birthday. Well, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, t- 10 years, 400 uh, episodes. That's, that is pretty staggering. And and I think one of the things that we both had admired throughout sort of the time that we sort of come across you is, is that ability to anticipate trends. And at the heart of what you do is great storytelling. So so we're, we're looking forward to some good stories today. I'll bring them out for you. Chapter one. <laughs> Well, actually, before we get into that, you, you mentioned it's your 10th anniversary. Happy birthday. I'm going to round of applause. There's a cake. There's a virtual cake on its way. So, so clearly you were passionate about it. What brought you into it and what keeps you in, in, in your 10th, coming on 11th year? Yeah, so a lot of what I do is, is experimental. And especially when I sort of cotton on to, ah, something's happening. Hmm, what's that? And I sort of fuss and fight, try to figure it out. I don't sort of have an assistant. I can say, hey, listen, what is all this about? I actually have to go do it myself. Mm-hmm. Just like when I started blogging in 2006, I was the senior executive at L'Oreal. I was on the executive committee. And uh, blogging, huh, that's cool. I can do some of that. And, oh, uh, you're not allowed to do that. Oh, no, yes, I am. So I, I sort of wanted to try try up new things that you know maybe I shouldn't be, couldn't be. And, and uh, I got into podcasting. And what I found out was, well, first of all, I enjoyed the idea of being in audio. Mm-hmm. The second thing was that I just love the discovery of people. When you have a microphone in their face, somehow it just it opens us up. Mm. And, and it gets you to, uh, you're allowed to discuss things in a deeper way because the record button is on. And there's a little bit of a, almost a diciness to it. I love that tension and the opportunity to meet people in that space. Yeah, I love that fact you said there's a diciness when the record button goes on. Does that change people? <laughs> well, I think it does. I mean, of course, you know, where we'd be doing video, that mm. even changes how you look. But the fact that you know that what you're saying is being recorded for posterity, or at least in your mind it is, makes you feel like you, you better you better show up. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about showing up later. But what's the biggest thing that you've learned from it, you think? Uh, maybe it's more a reinforcement, mm-hmm. but being digital means doing digital. Mm. And and so so much of this stuff, you can read about it, but until you do it, you don't really get it. The mm-hmm. power of that record button the opportunity and and what you get by listening to somebody deeply only in audio mm. as we are doing right now it, it's a phenomenal part of our senses that we don't seem to be exploring enough thinking about your sort of career i mean you've had senior level marketing roles in many industries of so 16 years as sam said with l'oréal so what inspired you to to branch out on your own well, so you, you mentioned the 16 years at L'Oreal, and I had this wacky, wickedly weird <laughs> set of activities I did before L'Oreal. And, and so it kind of 
for me, my post-L'Oreal life is more a continuation of my pre-L'Oreal life, where to begin with, for example, I started a leather goods company with bags that were $5,000 back in the 1980s and higher. I was a tennis coach. I worked in a zoo, in an aquarium. I, I worked in a travel agency for musicians and entertainers. We had Sting and Madonna and, and uh, Hunter S. Thompson as uh, customers. You know, what, how was I, what was I doing doing all this stuff? Nothing, what was the link between all that? And then all of a sudden I had this hiatus where I do 16 years in one company, for God's sakes. And then afterwards, I, I left L'Oreal to desi- just wanted to continue to explore the world, my mind, people, different industries, different things, and hopefully contribute to the world in, in, a, in a broader fashion. I'm a proud owner of one of your books um, called Artificial Empathy. And just to stay out, out loud here, I actually purchased this. So this is a paid for copy of a book that I'm recommending. And you, you've been quite prolific in, in the writing space. And your latest is called You Lead, How Being Yourself Makes You a Better Leader. And I'd love to hear more, more about that. And what's the kind of the core idea behind your, your latest book? So some people might just say, oh, my God, another book on leadership? Uh- <laughs> Yawn. Well, I, I so first of all, there's been lots of books and lots of great thoughts and stuff on leadership, yet leadership sucks. <laughs> we have 70% of employees star- stating that they feel unengaged at work. Mm-hmm. We have companies consistently having well, people burning out, and there's a problem of turnover, there's even a problem of just keeping people in companies these days. So what's wrong? Well, I feel that the issue is that we are so forced to put on a a persona, Mm -hmm. wear a tie, and be somebody else. And that gap between the persona, the image we're projecting, and who we really are is Mm -hmm. entirely entropic, dangerous to our health, and Mm -hmm. bad for business. And so my book is, in a sense, a permission to be at the very least, more you when you lead. And the and the challenge, of course, and the nuance is, it's not about being the gung-buckling naked you. It's a version of you that is much closer to the personal you. Mm. Obviously keeps the private part out, the intimate concept, secret garden. But mm allows for more of your personality, more of your juices to flow into the business and and therefore not have to put on this tie. Are we getting better at telling stories, do you think? So I think, no. So, I mean, the bottom line is storytelling has now become almost a a trendy topic. Mm. The so the narrative, figuring out the different media and how they impact your story is interesting. The, the storytelling that I think is still very muted is the, the internal storytelling, where the leader of the company tells the story of the founding of the company as if it were his or her own. And, and the issue with this sort of type of storytelling, which as individuals, we all ought to be doing within our company, so it's not just the boss, but is how does it relate to you? 
And where bosses fall down is that they think it's just an intellectual exercise. Oh, let me tell you, let me tell you a quick story. Back in the days, there was this founder and it, and, it, and you spill out the story and all the details are there, it's facts and figures, but there's no real relationship to your gut. Mm -hmm. And that's where we break down because, oh, I don't want to show that, that's, that's me. And aside from the fact that you're going to bore yourself silly by cognitively getting it all right, but you're not going to feel it. You're not going to know the passion is not there because uh, as day will follow night, repeating the same old story that doesn't relate to you, oh, it gets very tiring. You talk in the book about that wake up moment after 9-11 and, and yourself being in, in New York at that time. And, and it's, it's very dramatic and tragic, obviously, in the end and, and compelling. But that fact that it made you reevaluate where you were and what you wanted to do. And do you think the pandemic will have a similar impact? Mm. Great question, Chris. So I, I, I think that big moments have a tendency to overturn stones. And, and so, yes, I think this pandemic is having a very broad, maybe not so deep yet, I don't know, but very broad reviewing of what's important for people. Because that's ultimately what those events do. They are revealing or making you think about what's most important. Selling another widget mm. or doing shit that counts. So th there's two things that have happened here. One is shit's happened. People have died. It's serious. And we've got more time on our hands. We're not commuting one and a half hours every day. Of course, we're doing other stuff like homeschooling or, or other things that cannot, can occupy us, but we have time on our hands, time on our hands to think about what's important. And I think a lot of people will be reassessing whether that widget is really what I'm all about. I was reflecting, I've read an article, I've got to dig it out. That's the first time in modern history that people are now parents, they are professionals, and they are teachers all at the same time. So they're playing all three roles at the same time, which has never happened before. Often they've had to do two of those, but not all three. And that's being very revealing on the, the, the impact on, on people, on people's mindsets, on people's lives, and, and the reflecting on the world of work and what is important to you. Are, are you going to go back to the old or are you going to sort of uncover and, and create something new? And, and I bring that up because that challenge, that disruption, it seems that crises seem to be more frequent and more, more disruptive. And, and reflecting on the work you've done in your latest book, how, how should leaders handle, handle that? So sometimes it's just about getting cash in the door, Sam. So obviously one needs to be pragmatic. However, let's assume that you've got some cash because, I mean, you know, otherwise it's just sort of or whatever. It's smoke and mirrors. So what I think is uh, useful is to bear down on what your business is about. Mm -hmm. And, and lean back into that. You still got to get the cash in the door, do the business, but take this opportunity to figure out how your business can contribute more mm -hmm. to the bigger environment. So what, what, that, what that means concretely is, yes, get the shareholder happy, get the profits and do, do what you have to do because that's part of the, the game. But find out how you 
your team, employees, distributors or partners can all have a feeling of mattering, being contributing to something bigger, and that they count for something more than just profits in the back pocket. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, we want to we want to solve the world's problems. And, and but it doesn't relate well first of all it's not realistic second of all it doesn't relate back into you and your community then it's just a bunch of whitewashing here we go again we we, we talk about that actually in, in episode i think 52 we talk about mo- modern leadership and step one is to reset and redefine success and as, as you're talking there it seems like that reset and reevaluating what matters and what should should be valued and measured ongoing is is a fundamental initial step but then the the, the other thing we come on to talk about was in the importance of showing up and and the mm. fact that you have to take responsibility for your own destiny and everyone needs to take responsibility for being a leader as well so i think that really rings true as well so Leaders, the, the old role of leaders was, here's the vision, we're going to drive this, come on everybody, going to motivate you, I'm going to pay you and let's do it. So two things that I think need to be addressed. First is that even leaders might not be feeling well during this period. So if the leader isn't prepared to assess his or her own emotions and mental state, this will inevitably cause problems chips on the shoulder come to mind. And the second thing is that, and and this is a bigger trend as well, which is that individuals, employees also need to take self-responsibility. This is something I really push down on in Future Proof, where this notion of taking responsibility, not waiting for the state or the learning for development department (laughs) to give you the training, but actually owning your own learning, owning who you are, and, and, and taking agency, not saying I'm a victim, I always have to do what they tell me. Find ways for everybody throughout the organization. So as a leader, A, think about your own energies. Be bold enough to admit when you're not feeling so well, so it's okay not to be okay. And second of all, find ways to allow for your team to take agency. Because in the very process of taking agency, two things happen. One is they have more energy, they're more excited, they own the projects. And two, you're actually going to have better results. What's the biggest change you've seen in marketing transformation over the last few years? So the biggest piece uh, that, let's say, over the last decade is that I, I feel like in counter to automating marketing and doing everything with digital tools, the, the need is to come back to human marketing, more, mm. more humanity in the marketing. Yes, we need tools, especially when you're working at, at huge scale, but somehow we need to embed humanity into that, which means accommodating mistakes. Mm. It means accepting possibility of failure because you're trying and experimenting new things like we do in real life and including emotions and even this thing called empathy into into the way we're doing our marketing. And the real point there, the reason why this is so relevant is that we have so many more different touch points, meaning that we have so many different departments, people, 
representing your company in in specific interactions. So these are individuals who are typing on a keyboard. Yes, they're doing digital stuff, but they're individuals who are typing on a keyboard. There's an individual who's at the end of your chat or doing your social media or doing a sales call. And all these individuals are representing your brand. And in that presentation, what people are looking for are deeper connections, are, are already stay real connection. Mm -hmm. Nothing worse than your call is important for us. We'll get back to you very shortly. <laughs> your call is important for us. We'll get back to you shortly. And, and that feeling of process and protocol is killing people. We talked a lot about this in, I think, episode 31. We it was called Human First, Digital Second. And it was really emphasizing that humanity, that empathy, compassion, things that you've talked about and you've written about previously and how, how all that comes together. So I love the fact that that humanity piece is kind of, is, is the, the one shining a light on where we're going and how we could be better in the future as an antidote or as a check to this potential um, overstretch or overreach on everything being digital. And we've heard of Zoom fatigue and how people are dreading turning on the camera and uh, because it's just back-to-back -back electronic connections and overload and being, you know, overstressed by all these. So how do we actually tame it all and just realize, you know, if I start off a meeting, one of my mantras, if I start off a meeting with uh, or connection with someone, how are you? I've got to be ready for what they say. It can't be. Okay, anyway, slide 33. So if you ask someone how they are, that's a very human moment, vulnerable opening up. Let me, let, let me just, sorry, I just feel like I need to say one thing, which is don't just ask people how they feel. Tell people how you feel and mm. include the fact that you, you feel like shit. <laughs> that is leading. That is showing courage, vulnerability, and sets models the behavior that suggests that it's okay to be not okay. Mm. Right. The power of role modeling, which it, it, that's exactly, it's actually as a leader showing up role modeling vulnerability and, and making okay to be not okay is it's in a, in a lot of cultures, a lot of organizations I know I've, I've worked at in the past has been the absolute antithesis of how people operate. However, I'm, I'm optimistic in 2021 leaders will do more of that. And it, it kind of reminds me of that quote by, um, Jacinda Ardern, prime minister of New Zealand. I've said this on just about every episode, but you know, one of the criticisms I've faced over the years is that I'm not aggressive enough or assertive enough or maybe somehow because i'm empathetic it means i'm weak i rebel against that i refuse to believe that you cannot be both compassionate and strong and it just that that quote just really resonates with me as as the mantra of how we should be going forward i think the interesting yeah. thing is is that still the amount of apologies that you're getting on on zoom calls when people's personal lives are infringing on what they see work you know being disrupted by kids or having to be a few minutes late or background noise and and we need to get past that we we absolutely need to get past that because this is about how it is you know people people's lives aren't compartmentalized and i think that's a that's a theme that probably rings true to all of us really what's the single most important quality in leadership humility What's the most powerful media or communications channel in 2021? I want to say audio, but I'm going to have to go with video. <laughs> okay. What's your biggest marketing regret? I didn't go big earlier. I kind of always felt like I had to show the numbers, be mm -hmm. more, let's say, 
conservative in some of the things. And and I did one big, big thing when I was in my L'Oreal career. I, I, I said to the team, hey, listen, let's create a product that is four times more expensive than any other product we've ever sold in this circuit. And it turned out to be an absolute winner. It's still being sold 20 years yeah. on at that price or, you know, an equivalent. Yeah. And so, but I, I didn't, I didn't follow that law or that mm. idea anyway earlier or more. And, and final one. So go on then. Why should people read your book? I've, I've tried to present a, a, a real story one that is as close to the authentic me as one does, giving permission to be yourself, showing mistakes, but not necessarily revealing everything because that's okay. So I, I've, I've tried to present enough reasons why you need to be yourself and to give you the permission to lean into that with exercises that will help you to get to that. And caveat. It's tough work, but once you do it, oh my God, it's fun. Brilliant. Uh, look, like I say, I've read the first few chapters. It's, it's a really readable experience, which is you know, important. And I think you're you're on the money again. I think you're, you're ahead of the curve. So uh, I'm looking forward to reading the rest. But Minter, it's been great having you on. Thank you for your time. Like I said, Sam and I have been following you for a long time, so it's great to actually have you on Across the Pond. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, everybody. It's been a, a, an exciting show to do. Loved being part of it. So have a great week across the pond. So if you're an entrepreneur, rising star, or CMO looking for new ideas, find us at marketingtransform.com and on Spotify, Apple, Google, and all good podcast platforms.